Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that fast. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin is in Mexico on tour right now, but luckily we recorded this before he left, and even though we started with Johnny Gosh and kidnappings in general, we'll pick that back up when Kevin gets back, but in the meantime, we want you to enjoy an interview that we did with one of our closest friends, Liz, so here it is. All right, so this is our friend Liz, who is an accountant and a musician, and she's one of my best friends. (laughs) And Halloween a couple years ago, was because it wasn't this last Halloween, it was the Halloween before that, Kevin was out of town, and I didn't want to be by myself on Halloween because it seemed too depressing. (laughs) So I brought my little dog over to go scare trick-or-treaters with you guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking about things that scared us, and I think literally I said something about like being kidnapped or abducted, and you were like, oh, that's happened to me before, (laughs) and I was like, oh my God, Liz, why have you never told me this story? I know, it's so so um, intense. It's it's really, really intense, so I really appreciate you willing to tell it again, and I'm, I'm glad it ended. I'm glad it ended. Yeah. And I'm glad you're alive. And yeah, I'm glad me too. You know. <laughs> well, thanks for, you know, inviting me to your guys' show. I'm, like, super excited for everything that you guys are doing. And um, and I'm excited to, well, in a weird way, I suppose, and sharing my story. Um, yeah. I've actually never have told, I've only told, like, a couple people um, about it. And being, now that it's going to be public, it's it's sort of, like, you know, I've kind of like asked myself a lot of questions of, mm-hmm. you know, how I feel about it and what I learned from it. But, but any, in any case, I'll just start from the beginning. I was 16 years old. I lived in the fifth region of Valparaiso. And I live in, lived in a suburb called Quilpue. And there were like additional, you know, little towns. But my best friend, she lived in a town called Bellotto. And her... My friend and I, we we were, she was my best friend. And I, you know, the part that I kind of left out when I told you the story was that she was 14 and she, for the second time, got pregnant. So abortion in South America is still illegal. So at that time, of course, it was illegal. And her mom, you know, didn't want her to have the baby. So she was sending her to Sweden to a clinic to have the abortion for the second time. 
Um, and so, you know, it was causing like a lot of emotional issues and, you know, there, you know, I just wanted to reach out and help her in any way that I possibly could. So I had, uh, acts, well, not, I guess I had access to like all these herbal remedies that if you injected them, you could cause like a natural abortion. So it was a weekend night and, you know, like a, you know, just any Friday night and, I'm like, hey, you know, I can come over and I can inject these, these, you know, natural remedies or these herbs for you to have like an abortion. So that way you don't have to go to Sweden. And, you know, because she was like really stressed out because it was, you know, it was it was a big deal. And she's like, yeah, come on over. So I go over to her house and her sister was actually my classmate. So I get to her house with, you know, the herbal remedies with the needle. And I had never used a needle on myself you know, much less on anybody else. But here I am, you know, I'm going to come here and save the day and help my friend. And I was like, really determined. And and I had all the supplies in my little fanny pack. And so anyway, so I'm at her house, and, and I'm trying to like, inject this shit in her ass and I can't get the needle through her skin and we're just trying to like oh and she's just like it's hurting her and she's like freaking out and I was like okay this is not working I'm just gonna get out of here and it was just kind of like a really weird situation and I and I felt weird you know it's like the whole situation with her was just like really stressful and she was my best friend and like you know it, it it wasn't it wasn't like an ideal thing so I was like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna go home and it was a Friday night and I want to say it was like it was early it was maybe like 5 p.m but it was winter so it it you know get dark like really early so it was pitch black outside and Bayoto is like pretty ghetto like this like the town which was a weird thing because her parents, you know, they had their own business and everything, but they they decided they wanted to live in that little city. And they lived in this like really shitty village where, you know, there were no paved roads, everything were dirt roads. And yeah, it was just not, uh, not a nice area. I'm sure it's nicer now, but at the time it was like, I don't know, it was very country. Uh, not, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird like, like the the setting is very strange. In any case, I'm just like, I'm just going to go home. And, you know, I, I tried my best here. She's just going to have to, like, figure this out on her own and stuff. And I'm walking towards the bus stop. And I clearly remember, I'm like, I can either go the short route, which is the dark way, because there were no, no, no lights. Or I could go the the long route, which was lit. And so I was like, ah, fuck it. There's like nobody around here. I'm totally fine. And I'm just going to, you know, it's the bus stop. It's just, I can see it like an idiot. I put my headphones on and I'm, I think I'm like listening to either Mr. Bungle or Faith No More. And I'm just like, and I'm like rocking the tunes. I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling good about life. And, you know, just like walking to the bus stop and I can see it and I'm all away. I could feel something like walk by me and it was just, guy and he just like walks straight past me and I was like oh that's kind of weird I'm like oh, that's cool and then next thing you know he turns around he has a ski mask he has a buck knife and he's like in Spanish he tells me give me everything you fucking got you fucking bitch turn around and walk that way which was like going towards this wooded area or like this foresty sort of area setting 
And so I start hyperventilating. I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, oh my God. And so I just hand him my fanny pack. I hand him like my money. I hand him my Walkman. abortion herbs. (laughs) Yeah. Like he doesn't know what's in there. Right. Yeah. 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 And so you can, I could tell, I remember he, he was not nervous. You know, he takes all, he takes this all my shit away, and I'm just I'm like, okay, maybe he's just gonna like, you know, he's just rob gonna him. rob me, and then he's gonna take off. But he's got a ski mask on, and he's got this huge fucking knife, and then I'm looking like everywhere, and okay, and he was wearing sneakers too, white sneakers, and I'm like looking everywhere, and he starts he grabs me by the wrist, and he just drags me over to the woods. And so we were kind of like hanging out next to this tree and I'm like super scared. I'm not crying, but I'm just like shaking and I'm like, and I'm just like breathing like really fast and he's just super chill. And then, and I'm looking desperately like side to side, like, and I'm looking at the bus stop and I'm like, fuck, I was so close. I was so close. And then he tells me, I'll fucking forget. He tells me, He's like, yeah, you know what, you fucking bitch, you should run that that way. It'll be a lot funner for me to kill you. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) this guy really means what he's saying. He basically kidnapped me at this point and I just wouldn't move. I was like bound to whatever he wanted to do at this point. Oh, and, and so then like we could hear sirens and he got really nervous and he then grabs me by the wrist again and we go further into the woods and we're just, we're just walking and walking into the woods and we reach an area that just didn't have any trees. And it was kind of like just an open field. Mm -hmm. And at this point I'm like, fuck dude, like this guy could do anything to me and no one would hear me. Like I'm, I'm toast. So he just like sits down and I sit down and in my head, I was sort of like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm just, I'm just in complete disbelief of what's happening. And I'm thinking I have to figure out how to get out of this. Because if I don't make it home, my parents, my mom, my dad, my siblings, it'll, it'll, it'll destroy them. So I mm-hmm. felt like responsible. Mm-hmm. And that, was, that weighed more than the fear of me losing my life. I put myself immediately at that point when we were in this field in the middle of nowhere, we were sitting on the ground and he was just sort of like trying to figure out like what to do with me. I decided to kind of turn the tables and just do what I could possibly do to make him my friend. So I started talking to him and like, you know, what's your name? Is he still wearing a ski mask at this point? He wore the ski mask the entire time. Okay. So you never actually got to see his face. Well, I, I did oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Late, later down the line, I did. So he's trying to figure out what to do with me. And I'm just, you know, I can tell he's like, he hasn't killed me yet. He hasn't yeah. killed me. He hasn't yeah. raped me. And it's been like, at this point, it's been a couple hours. We're sitting in the field and it starts pouring and it's just raining. And I had an umbrella with me. And so, you know, I open up the umbrella and I cover us both. And so I'm just trying to show like compassion and empathy. And I, when I was kind of comp- explaining this to Leon, he's like, oh, you, you were, you know, kind of like getting into that 
uh, Stockholm syndrome, you know, where I was sort yeah. of like, it, it was, but it was weird because did I, you act, but you didn't actually care about him. You just wanted to act like you did. Well, the thing is that it's, you know, it's, well, it's, you're 16. Yeah. it's a weird psychology because I was like, at the time I was sort of like, you know, I was asking at that moment, I'm asking him, Hey, what's your name? Where do you live? You know, maybe we can go over to like the liquor store and like grab a beer and like, maybe we can get some food and come back and like hang out, hang out. And I was a chain smoker at this point. So I was just like smoking one cigarette after another. I mean, like I had an entire pack of cigarettes and in that during this whole this whole situation, like I smoked the entire pack. And he was like, no, I already had something to eat today. I had a bunch of chocolate. And I was like, well, chocolate? Like, didn't you, haven't you had like an actual meal? And, you know, we can go get some food and, you know, it, it can be super mellow. Like, don't worry about it. We can just come back here and we can talk it out, you know, figure this out. Uh, so he kind of starts giving me like a, you know, a layout of his life, how he's homeless, how he lives in an abandoned home on you know, a mattress and that he just basically eats chocolate. And, you know, that, that was sort of like, like his deal. I think I did most of the talking at this mm -hmm. point, which I'm very good at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think he was just sort of, you know, really lonely because we were out on that field for hours. So, you know, just talking and just getting soaked and getting, you know, smoking cigarettes and just, and then at one point he had to go to the bathroom and he took the knife and he stuck it in the ground. And so here I am and I'm like, oh my God, I could just take the knife kill and him. kill him. Mm -hmm. Are you tied up at this point or anything? No, or is he, he just up. purely just holding you at gun, uh, knife point? Yeah, he's he's okay. like threatening to like chase me mm -hmm. and to kill. Yeah, me. no, yeah, definitely. Because he was like, he kept telling me that that was what he, that's how he got off, mm -hmm. like by the chase, controlling you, yeah, yeah and f freaking you out, yeah. And I, he's wearing tennis shoes, so I'm like, I'm believing him, mm -hmm. right? So he goes and he takes a leak. He leaves the knife on the floor. And I'm just like, I could really just grab that knife. And when he comes back, I could just like fucking stab him. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have it in me. I, I mm -hmm. didn't do it. I couldn't do it. I felt like I was making a connection with him, which mm -hmm. was my biggest mistake. Mm -hmm. I should have killed him. But or I should have done something with the knife. I should have grabbed it or, or done something. And so he comes back and then he kind of looks at me. Because I, because I'm like staring at the knife. Yeah. And then he grabs it, and then he's like, "You fucking bitch! You've been trying to delay this process this entire time, with you talking to me and just nonstop about your life and trying to find out what's going on with my life." And and so he then again he drags me back to the original spot, which was you know back to this one tree that was you know, and so. I have a view of the bus stop again. Mm -hmm. And then again, he's like, you know, trying to, you know, he's trying to threaten me. You should run because this is exactly what I want. And this is where I get off. And, you know, it'll make it so much funner to kill you. And it was like, no, no, it's crazy. Like I get, I talk about it and I get like super shaky, but 
someone was telling me, it's like, yeah, that's, that's trauma. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay. That makes and sense. I, and I hope that I'm not necessarily making you relive it in like a terrible way or anything, but I don't know. Like I, this is, but, it's, but the fact is like you walked away from it alive yeah. and unscathed. And so I feel like if this were to happen to anyone like listening, like yeah. ways that you not only humanized yourself, but you also made him feel like a human too, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think about it that way, but I think about how naive I was. Um, you were 16. In, in, many, in many ways. Yeah, it's, yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I think that anybody's reaction at like 30 would be different than when you were 16, you know what I mean? But yeah. mm-hmm. the fact is you were a teenager. Yeah, I was a kid. But, but yeah, he basically, you know, he comes back from taking a piss and then he sees that I'm staring at the knife and then mm-hmm. he grabs the knife and then he's fucking pissed because he's like you've been just trying you you've been you fucking bitch you fucking whore this is what you've been doing you've been trying to delay, delay this entire process of me killing you by telling me your life story and trying to get involved with my life and now you're gonna really pay the price and so he like grabs me by the hand by the arm again he, this, this motherfucker is like dragging me all over the place and I'm just mm-hmm. like I'm just like, at this point, I'm actually kind of getting pissed. And I'm just, I'm, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to, my thoughts are just running so fast, you know, Mm -hmm. like, here I was trying to take a life away. And now, and the irony is that now I'm I'm about to lose my own life. And so I was like really thinking about that like a lot and it made me it made me angry. It really made me want to cry a lot at the moment. But I was just kind of like really in shock about everything and and the meaning of it all. And so we're back at this tree and this guy is determined. He's determined to kill me at this point. He's like, you know what, do you have got some final words, something you want to fucking say. And I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And everything is happening really fast. So he got, he grabs the knife. He puts the tip of the blade in my belly button. And then he puts his other hand on the back of just on the, the, on my back and Mm -hmm. he's getting ready to thrust. And like, again, like my thoughts are just racing really fast and everything. And then in my last attempt, I grab him by the wrist and I put the blade on my neck and I tell him, if you're going to fucking kill me, you're going to do it by cutting my throat because you're not going to kill my baby. And he was like, oh, fuck. He was like, what, you're fucking pregnant? I'm fucking pregnant, you know. And so I was just trying to get an abortion. I to open the fanny pack. You'll find there the herbs. And the herbs were like these herbs that were well-known herbs to get mm-hmm. like natural abortion. So everybody knew about them. I was like, you find the needles, you find the herbs, you find everything there. And so once again, here I am trying to humanize him in the situation. Like I'm pregnant and I don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm telling him I'm pregnant and you're not going to kill my baby. And here I am. And you're like the only person I know that I, that knows, and I don't have anybody else in my life. And I'm trying to like really draw him into my Mm -hmm. life and make him a part of my life because he's obviously very lonely. And so he's just complete. He is so, I so in shock that he takes the, 
ski mask off. Mm. Takes the ski mask off, and he puts it into his backpack because he had a backpack. And he puts the knife in his backpack, and then he gives me my fanny pack. He gives me my wallet. He gives me my Walkman, and then he starts kissing me. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is the part where I kind of <laughs> have to like. <laughs> Like, yeah, this is great. Like, yeah, this is awesome. And so, you know, we don't. exactly like how I love first dates. Yeah. Well, because I I did tell him, too, that I developed feelings for him and that I loved him. Oh, totally. Yeah. This is why he, like, was now, like, like, I don't know. I I, fuck, I don't know. I was just, I just, I needed to stay alive, you know. Mm -hmm. He walks me to the bus stop. And then he gives me money of his own to take a taxi. And so we're waiting for the taxi and he asks for my number. I gave him a fake number. And then he's like, I'll call you. And then I'm like, okay. And I get in the taxi and I'm just on my way home. How much time had passed from the time he abducted you until he put you in a cab? Seven hours. Ugh maybe maybe eight hours because it was oh yeah you said it was like 5 p.m it was 5 p.m and yeah and it was like 2 a.m no right that's right so it was nine hours like yeah yeah because I remember I remember the number nine like thinking this I was out there for a really long time and so Mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm I'm in the taxi which was extra because I could have taken the bus. He could have just given me bus fare, but he paid extra for me to take a taxi, which was like, because you're his new girlfriend, triple the amount of money. Yeah. Right. So he's trying to treat me. And he's a homeless guy that eats chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. And he had, and I saw his face. Yeah. I'll never forget his face. face, You could, you could pick him out in a lineup. So this is where the irresponsible teenager and me kind of come came out um even though I could like pick him out you know in a lineup I mean even I don't know like the legal system in Chile at the time I mean you know I I just it it wasn't one that you could trust or you couldn't really trust the cops it Mm -hmm. was just you know maybe I just didn't know how this how it worked and all that worked I just knew I didn't want to lose my freedom so Mm -hmm. at that point I was way past my curfew I'm just like, all I know is I get off the, I get off on my stop and on my way home, there was a police station and there's always a cop outside on the police station in Chile. And so I'm like pale, I'm shaking I'm pale. I'm soaked because I've just been out in the rain, like all night long. And I just tell the cop, I was like, you know what? I was off this bus stop and I could hear somebody getting raped there was just like screams coming out from this field and you guys really need to go check out what's going on out there so that was the only tip I gave and then I walked home and luckily for the first time ever my mom didn't wake up when I got home so she Mm -hmm. never found out that I got home like at two three in the morning on Mm -hmm. a Friday night so I didn't get grounded which was awesome (laughs) so I was like all right so I guess I could tell like a couple people about what happened. Maybe people won't believe me. And so it just sort of like really stayed with me. But 
the next morning I called up my friend and I told her the one that I tried to help get an abortion and mm-hmm. I called her up and I told her about what happened and she's like, oh yeah, I know that guy. <gasps> I'm like, what do you mean you know that guy? Yeah, he's been like, you know, kidnapping and assaulting chicks like in the neighborhood like at night. He like stopped me with a gun the other night and then and he stopped my sister too the other night with like something else with some other weapon and so at that point i'm like really like why wouldn't you tell me right yeah you know and so i soon after that i moved back to the u.s and i was sort of like wow i I don't know if i can like really did you tell your parents eventually I told my parents, like, when I was well into my 20s. Wow, so you waited years. Oh, yeah, I never told my parents. Did I told my brother. Did you tell your sister? Oh. Yeah, I don't think I've told my sister in, in this sort of detail, but oh, okay. you know, I'll send her the... The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it's it's really interesting. Like, I think back on it, and I, I think about the desperation that people go through, like... Mm-hmm how they want to take take away happiness from other people because they're so miserable with themselves. And it makes me feel really sad. It makes me, I think about like the whole abortion situation in South America, how like South America is so gripped by the Catholic church. And that's why, you know, you abortion is illegal because based on Catholic religious beliefs, yeah, religious beliefs, you know, it's just, you'll go to hell if you get an abortion. And so it makes me think about like a lot of these things, but ultimately at the end of the day, when I think back on it, I re- the one thing that I kind of like applaud myself for like, getting mm-hmm. out of it. Insanely quick thinking. It was sort of like the thing that was sort of the negative which was me trying to help my friend I mean I don't know if it was a negative but it was that thing that ultimately propelled the idea and it's also the thing that put you there too yeah so yeah so that's that's my story do you know have you ever followed up to see if maybe he was ever arrested or anything no I mean I don't I don't know I he I'm sure he never I'm sure he gave me his name but I don't remember his name yeah. or. And not to I age mean, you, not to age you very much, but this was about 20 years ago. This was a little over 20 years yeah. ago at this point. Okay. And I feel like to this day, I could recognize him because he had a scar that went from his ear down to his mouth. Um, and so there's very few people with that kind of like a scar like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I have this feeling he's not alive anymore. I mean, who knows? Too much I, <laughs> yeah he's got diabetes he's got no feet he's got no friends no no I mean it's just he, yeah or honestly he could have killed someone oh absolutely oh. I mean at, you he could know, have killed someone even before you he was going to yeah he was ready to do it I mean I could feel it like I was yeah he was putting pressure between the tip of the blade on my belly button and the back of my back. Mm -hmm. If police, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not victim blaming here or anything, but like if the police, because I I know that there's very corrupt police forces, especially outside the United States in case people Mm -hmm. don't know that. 
Um, sometimes like my students forget that like we like yeah we have a very problematic police force here in the United States but there are other states where it's like the police are worse than the criminals like on the whole you know yeah but like if if Chile had a better police system or you were in a time where women were believed about like assault and stuff would you maybe have reported it then um I mean no it wasn't yeah. really about me believing in the police or not. I just didn't want my parents to find out. Oh, okay. So it really was kind of like that. It was really in a sense, a, like kind of childish. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I didn't want, I didn't want my parents to find out. I was, I was like, it's just so crazy. Cause it's not your fault. Right. But yeah, it was, I knew the fear would grip my parents and they would not let me out again mm-hmm. uh, um, okay I see what you mean how far was this from your house were you like worried about running into this guy again I never went back to that town after that and it was probably like between three and five miles okay like uh, not not very, not, not very far but far um, enough that you wouldn't didn't run into him again yeah and you know I, I told all of my friends my guy friends. Cause at the time I, I only had guy friends. Um, and I told them all of, I told them all about it, you know, and nobody really sort of like gave me the time of the day. And I told my brother about it. Nobody was sort of like really terribly. Did it maybe it seemed like it wasn't like you, you mean like it wasn't a big deal. Kind of. Yeah. Weird. That's another question yeah. I have is like someone like this is obviously a nuisance in the neighborhood you'd think like in neighborhoods like this it seems like there's more of a sense of community like they come together to like banish or put down a bad seed like this you know definitely there was none of that going on so it sounds like you already had a reputation yeah i mean it was the ghetto i mean do Mm -hmm. you get a sense of community in the ghetto i don't know Mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe it was like a socioeconomic situation where, you know, everybody was just sort of like fending for themselves. But where I lived, there was definitely a sense of community. But, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because the whole Me Too movement happening now or in like mm-hmm. the recent years gave me the opportunity to sort of look back and think about all the shit that's happened to me and I've been like harassed sexually so many times especially as a teenager in South America I mean like some guy was just jacking off walking like right in front of me but when you're like a little kid it's just mm-hmm. I must have been like 14 or something you know you know, after after this incident, I was super paranoid. Like every time I yeah. went, because the guy, you know, he walked past me and then he turned around. That's kind of like his technique think of surprise. And that's how he like, he wants to face you like straight. He wants to look straight at you and like see your reaction, you know. And so every time I went out and to this day, when people are walking behind me, like I literally, if I'm like on the street and it's dark and somebody walks me is walking behind me, I stop, I turn around and I look them straight in the face. And mm-hmm. I know it seems kind of crazy, but like, I'm not really taking, I don't really take any chances. And I like, oh, absolutely without like really, you got a knife now. Yeah. And like, 
I double lock the, even though now I live in like a really safe neighborhood, I'm like constantly locking all the doors and, but it's kind of really buried, but at the time, you know, I I, keep on burying it. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cause I mean, honestly, the biggest thing that I walk away from is that you're a badass that like thought really quick on your feet. I mean, it was, I, I think it's just survival. I think we all have, you know, we'll figure something, something out. But not everyone does though. A lot of people, I don't, I don't think that everyone would have fought or been as quick or clever as you. I think that a lot of people would have felt very helpless. And and it's not to say that you didn't feel helpless, but like you were like, no, fuck that. I'm not dying today. Yeah. The whole thing, pregnant thing was really good. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. That, that, that really turned to try, you know, trying, it's kind of of weird because with that happening at a very early age, I realized that you can really get away with things that you want, just kind of like turning things around and emotionally and mentally and getting what you know getting your way and not that i that not that i've done so, anything you know negative to yeah. like you know take advantage of a situation like that but so are we really friends liz i don't know are we? <laughs> or are you just tricking me i don't know <laughs> maybe i'm trying to like stay, stay it's limited. the long con <laughs> i i definitely was like really angry after that and it's a lot of that experience they sort of like experience they definitely propelled my desire to play extreme music and listen to extreme oh, yeah. music and you said that there's the song uh yeah it was so the whole thing was so vivid in my head for so many years for years and years and years that i was like you know i'm just gonna write a song about this and um and it, and it really did help and sort of to give it a place and just mm-hmm. that way it was like okay oh, here it is head. yeah yeah I, I you know I don't I don't wish that upon anyone but if it does happen to anyone where you're kind of like in a really vulnerable situation like that I don't know like I guess the best advice is just to try and turn things around mm-hmm. yeah um, there's a lot of serial killers oh abductors like that they have a weird code of ethics and one of them is to not either a murder mothers or b to you know murder women who are pregnant yeah it's like i figured i had the evidence to prove Mm -hmm. that i was you know so Mm -hmm. it could work well and by telling him that i loved him i think that kind of like really sealed the deal It's so fucked up. I, you know, I but, mean, but he made you do it, basically. Yeah, I know. Fuck him. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really the moral of the story. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. You know, it's like it was really about me coming home because I felt like such a deep responsibility to come home safe because my parents had entrusted that into me, and so and. For the longest time, my parents would never let me out. I always had these curfews and I was always grounded and I was never really, you know, trusted in that sense. And like this was sort of like a way for me to show to them or not that I told them, but to show to myself that, you know, like I'm in control and I can take care of this and I can take care of myself. I wonder totally now just in the what ifs, like what if your mom was up? What would you have said? Oh, geez. 
Well, she would have seen that I was like completely distraught because I mean, you I was, probably would have told her then. Yeah, right? yeah, I would have said, I would have said, told her like, like you might, you might think quick on your feet with psychos, but I don't know if you're gonna think quick on your feet with mom. Mm. Yeah. No, Can't she would have. No, I wouldn't. I, I think if she would have been awake and. I think I would have said, yeah, I, you know, I would have told her. I think I would have left a lot out. Yeah, yeah. But that <laughs> you know, you had been held up. Yeah. Yeah, that that I, you know, some guy just that I was assaulted and that this is. But it's just, it was so strange. Just, so, so how, so like, my what, mom was how, like, she was, she. Would, yeah. What was I mean, her reaction when I told her? And you definitely tell her, or um, your parents in general. Ah. You know, I was already older. Like I was in my late mid to late twenties, and were they upset that you didn't tell them? They they didn't react. Oh, they were sort of like, like oh. they raised their eyebrows, and you know, <laughs> at this point in my life too, like in my mid to late twenties, I was just sort of like very in charge and in control of my life, and I you know I didn't really depend on them in any way, mm-hmm. and so I don't think they felt that I needed to feel any kind of comfort Mm. Um, which is kind of unfortunate because I think for a very long time after the incident I kind of like put up this wall and in a in a lot of social instances I it was just hard for me to show emotion or you know, just sort of, it it was just like, I put up this wall to like consistently protect myself. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think anybody could like really feel sorry for me because they were like, well, Liz has it covered. And, you know, so Mm -hmm. she's, she's good. She doesn't need anybody's like Mm -hmm. compassion or empathy. And so I feel like that sort of was sort of like my parents' reaction. And I, I think though, I know that that was in their mind they were like well I mean she was just a wild animal because Mm -hmm. my mom was like you when you were a teenager you were out of control like I could not you know but my mom was like really strict too so I was like very rebellious at the same time so it was just it was tough from from a even from a very young age I was just sort of like extremely independent like I needed to have like complete control over everything and, and so I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, to answer your question, though, like, yeah, th- there wasn't much of a reaction. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, I think my mom told me that she had told my sister mm-hmm. to sort of like teach her as a lesson. But I've never had this conversation with my sister actually in depth. But yeah. But she knows. She knows. Yeah. Yeah, she knows. But yeah, now... Now everybody's going to know. Oh, is that okay? <laughs> ah, yeah, of course. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't no, think you would. I, I think you, that's, it was an ask. It wasn't a, ooh, no, Liz, absolutely. tell that crazy I, story. You know, for the longest time, I've wanted to talk about it, but I just didn't know, like, in what format. So this is, like, very therapeutic for me because I was like, oh, I could probably, like, post something on Facebook, but then it would be, like, this long-ass story. And, like, how am I going to tell this fucking story? There's just too much going mm-hmm. on. And I was just like, ah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really, really intense. And I think about like 
it's fucked up because now I like yeah. to watch all these murder mystery fucking TV shows and, and I'm like, oh, you know, like, and, and I don't know it's why. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's human Tell nature. You're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's not <laughs> fucked up, it, but it's not fucked up. It's human nature. Though, yeah. It's, you know? it's, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, it's, it's sort of like, I think about how this has happened to other, to women and that they've been like fucking killed. Mm-hmm. and how I was able to get away from something like that because I could have been just like another statistic mm-hmm. but I wasn't and I'm grateful for that mm-hmm. I me don't too know. yeah that <laughs> 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 that the circumstances everything lined up and it's just sort of like I hate to sound corny but it's just like it's it's like I feel like there was a message in that whole thing for me because everything sort of just worked out I mean to a T I, I don't know and so I'm sometimes I get a little freaked out about all all the little details and the coincidences and how I got away with it like mm-hmm. on in every if like got away from being killed did, and I got away from that from being grounded did your friend <laughs> yeah did your friend end up getting the abortion? She did. Oh, in Sweden? Yeah. She 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 so she ended up going to Sweden. She got the abortion. I think <coughs> I never really saw her after that. I that was my next question is like cuz this was that was like your best friend and then Yeah. And she like... was my, and it was it was sort of like kind of a shitty situation because she went to Sweden, she got the abortion and then her sister, who was my classmate and who I was best friends with her prior to me being best friends with the younger sister, mm-hmm. um, she blamed me for her sister getting pregnant. And it was just, what? it was kind of like, that was sort of at the point where I was like, you know, it, like a year had gone by and, it, you know, a lot of things were sort of like unfolding. And it was just at that point, it was like, it's just time for me to leave. It's me, time for me to go back to the U.S. and create like a, a different path for myself because like this little town bullshit is just is just not is is I'm I'm done I'm over it. Have you been back to visit Chile? I actually have. I went back to the city where I lived in and it's changed a lot. It's mm-hmm. definitely a really different but a lot of it is still the same. Um it's like they've just added more buildings and they added like this huge mall in the middle of the of the downtown area but the downtown area is so tiny that the mall looks ridiculous cuz it mm-hmm. looks like this huge grotesque structure in this really small little downtown. <laughs> it was sort of like why did we ever end up here? Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know what I I do I am extremely really grateful for like my friends they out there they they're they're the ones that introduced me to you know all the music Mm -hmm. that kind of like propelled me to like develop my tastes and getting into like extreme metal so that that was that was really cool it was a small town you know it wasn't Santiago Santiago was definitely like a bigger town the cool thing about Chile though is like people like to hang out like to party and they like to have a good time and nobody's just people aren't like uptight at all um i mean that might have changed but mm-hmm. vince was- just played there with black witchery he said it was awesome yeah yeah people love people love metal out there and so i i did have uh, at the time a homeless friend 
um, who I told the story to and he gave me like advice about like sex or rape scenarios. Oh, like if you're ever in an instance where you're like going to potentially get raped, um, you need to, again, sort of with like that mental thing, kind of like get into the vibe where you tell the attacker, like, yes, this is what you want. Like, mm-hmm. cause that'll throw them off. Like, cause that's mm-hmm. not what they want. They want the fear. Yeah. Yeah. They're fear mongers. And the, ah, the freaking out, you know, the, but if you switch it up and you're like, yes, this is what I want. And this is what I've been yeah, wanting for. And but then the you kick time, them. The like that. I'm not trying to like say anything other than like, God, that kind of blurs the line of consent then. Well, I mean, I, I mean, but if you're going to walk away with your life. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. You know, but like I if you mean, wanted to go to the authorities then to say that you'd been sexually assaulted, I mean, that in that in that term, it kind of blurs the line of consent then. Yeah, but like, this, this is prior to actually the assault occurring and yeah, yeah. like, you know, penetration. Hopefully that then maybe the assault won't occur then. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is prior to like any kind of yeah. Yeah. undergarments coming off or anything. It's just mm-hmm. like when you something like that is going to happen, you kind of switch it around. This is what my homeless friend told me. He's like, you've got to switch it up and you've got to make it seem like this is something that you've been waiting for all your life. And then when you catch them off guard, that's when you like kick them in the nuts or you like knee them in the nuts or you punch them in the nuts or something like that. And then you run. And so that's the best advice that I have for that is that use that mental, emotional tool because Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Kevin's here, but uh, the way that I've under understand it and that I've read it is that emotions are very hard for men to sort of like control. Mm-hmm. And so when you put them out of that spectrum, it's like they don't know what to grab onto because the the way that it's been explained to me is that emotions for men is like being is like swimming in the ocean. And then emotions for women is like swimming in a pool. You're just yeah. like you're right there on the edge and you can kind of like control you, you know, you, you know, you're going to be okay. Where for men, it's like, they don't know. <laughs> so I don't know. So that's why, that's why the that's, whole men. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. That, Accurate. So, the, <laughs> so the mental aspect, the whole like switching it up and making it into something that they don't expect. Well, take, yeah. You taking control over a situation they want to control. I mean, and it's, yeah, I mean, that's it's all about control. Yeah. Power and control. It's a, it's all about, you know, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever works. I mean, you know, when this guy was like kissing me, I was like, oh, wow, are we going to have to like, fuck? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. My mind was like racing at the time too. Like I, I, he, what a weird 180. He stopped. And he was like a total gentleman. And so it, it kind of makes me think that, you know, a lot of these people are just sort of, they're psychos, they're just schizophrenics, they're, they've got personality disorders, you know, and so that can be, that needs to be taken advantage of, if you want to live. Yeah. Or do you we're, <laughs> Which we're so glad you're alive, Liz, we love you. Oh, I love you guys too. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends that you like and don't like. Or if you just feel like some grabbing somebody's cell phone and subscribing for them. Thanks. You can send us an email at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. Or better yet, you can join our Facebook group called True Crime Dumpster. It's pretty easy to find. We let everyone in. We love to hear what you guys have to say about anything. And we always post images from the show. Probably not this one, though, just to keep our friends' privacy somewhat private. But next week, when Kevin's back, we'll pick back up with Johnny Gosh Part 2. And we will also be covering the cases of J.C. Dugard and all of the women that Ariel Castro abducted and held prisoner for almost a decade in his home in Cleveland, Ohio. So that will conclude our way too long kidnapping series. And we will continue on with another horrible topic for you. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. We're not as great at keeping those up to date. We love you. Don't forget to join us next time where we keep talking out the trash. All right. Bye-bye.